Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. and Carl Reindler. It's been a huge night, a huge morning for all of us that are Formula One fans as the first Grand Prix of the year got underway. Hello and welcome and thanks for joining us throughout the entire SEN network from New Zealand to Perth and everywhere in between. Also, thank you to all of those of you that are joining us on the SEN app, I should say, wherever you are all over the world. And I probably shouldn't forget to say hello and welcome to all of those listening on the podcast of our live weekly F1 show. We are back racing in F1. And although it looks very much like our predictions of Red Bull domination have proven true, I'm Cameron Vandendung and joined by Carl Reinler every week. Carl Reinler, who is one of our... Uh, Formula One medical car drivers who lives the charmed life. Well, Carlos, it was a dominant performance by Max, as you anticipated last week. But just like you predicted, it seems to be a very tight battle right behind him. Yeah, did you um, did you stay up for the race? Oh, Carl, at the moment, I'm actually enjoying life uh, in some sunny climates right now. And it uh, wasn't actually you, you that be- late for me. It was 11, me- <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. You- you beat me to it. I was kind of uh, working towards that. Whereabouts in the world are you recording this oh. uh, this show from right now? Oh, come on, mate. You're just ruining my beautiful <laughs> little, uh, you know, that we're all hanging out in the same place. I am enjoying some time in beautiful sunny Bali right now. So oh, lucky uh, it was 11pm in same time zone as all of our West Aussie uh, viewers and listeners right now. Well, I was the one that... Somewhat sillily, well, yeah, stupidly maybe, stayed up for the uh, for the race in uh, in Victoria. So it was a two a.m. start time. So I'm feeling a little bit cooked today, if I'm being t- uh, t- being honest. But it was a good race, I thought. Other than the uh, the domination, as you say, with the Red Bulls finishing one and two, as you say, the um, the battle from from then on actually is. I reckon it's going to be quite exciting. I think it's going to be a great great year in that uh, in that mid battle. And I think the Ferraris uh, have shown that they are. Competitive, obviously. Carlos Sainz finishing third, uh, getting a podium for the uh, for the year, start of the year, which is great. Um, I don't know what what were the big uh, takeouts for you? Yeah, Red Bull absolutely dominated. I think the the interesting thing for me was the gap at the front between Verstappen and Perez. I remember last year they had a one two at the opening race of the season. So uh, Verstappen actually beat Perez by 11.9 seconds last year, and it was up at 22.4 seconds. So if you want to go on time difference, it looks like Verstappen's extended again from uh, from Sergio Perez. And uh, I think the domination of the two Red Bulls was what we were talking about uh, during testing. At first, we said, you know, the results looked like Ferrari was thereabouts, but we just wondered how much weight 
um, what setup, what engine mode that Red Bull were running at that point in time. And it looks like they were pretty much sandbagging through practice, uh, or th- at least through uh, through testing. And then we were throwing that little curveball with the gearbox drama during FP1 and 2 for Max Verstappen, but then he uh, put it all down, got pole position, got the win, and away he went. I think the ingredients were there for a... Uh... You know, an exciting build-up to the weekend with the, the mechanical issues, as you spoke about, that Max had in FP1 and FP2. I don't think the Rebels topped the times in any practice or or in even, even the first and second qualifying session. It wasn't until that third and final qualifying session where it really counts that Max came to the uh, top of the sheets. But Daniel, I think Daniel did a bloody good job. He, he topped, topped the times in the first practice session. Um, Bit of a scrap with his teammate in the race, um, I, but I think they're they're in good form. Just just narrowly missing out on the points there. We had Oscar inside the ten as well, in P eight. Um, yeah, we weren't so sure about the McLarens, but I I reckon they uh, they do have pace. It's clear they've got some pace. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to the Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda thing a little bit later on in this segment, the the start of the show tonight. Piastri P eight. He scored as many points in this race as he did in the first five races of 2023. So they've come out of the blocks much better, have McLaren. So great to see for Oscar Piastri. His teammate in Lando Norris finished P6. And it was actually, here's a stat for you from Sean Kelly, virtual stat man. McLaren score points in the opening race for the first time since 2021. So it's a good start for McLaren. Um, better than we uh, saw last year, but probably not as good as we expected. Yeah, probably not quite as good as what we expected. It was so hard to know in that preseason test at Bahrain last week whether, you know, who was sandbagging, who was, you know, actually putting it on the line. But, uh, yeah, as we always said, come to the first round, that, that first qualifying session, everything's out there on display to, uh, you know, to see. Um, Mercedes, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton. What I find, mate, what I'm loving at the moment is the two outgoing teammates uh, for the major teams. <laughs> yep. you got... Carlos Sainz, uh, obviously departing Ferrari at the end of this year. We still don't know where he's going yet, but he beat his teammate, Charles Charles Leclerc. Um, And Lewis Hamilton's obviously leaving to go to Ferrari, and he got sort of towelled by George Russell out there. I'm loving this uh, intra-team battles uh, that are going on at the moment. It's it's so good. It's going to be very interesting, Carl, and it's just a reminder. We're actually already getting SMSs in, which we really appreciate from all of our listeners. But if you do want to join the conversation tonight, wherever you are in Australia, New Zealand or around the world, you can call us on 1300 736 736 or you can join us on the Temper text line 0433 98 And our first text message has come in talking about Yuki Sonoda and uh, Daniel Ricciardo. It's from Paul, and he's written, Yuki, the petulant child, caused both RB cars to miss a couple of higher places and then blamed it on everyone else. Really interesting take from Paul, um, and appreciate him sending that in. Carl, what Paul is referring to is not moving aside for two laps when he was asked under team orders to move aside for Daniel Ricciardo, who was on a faster tyre, the soft compound tyre, who could have had a chance at maybe a points haul position. Still a couple of cars to, to pass in order to get into that position, but he took two laps. And then Max Verstappen came into the mix. It meant Daniel had to get out of the way, and it really ruined his chances on that little sweet spot of the tyre window. And that's before we even talk about what happened after the chequered flag. So let's take it into two different segments, Carl. Your first thought about Yuki taking two laps to listen to team orders. Um, and we'll talk about the after chequered flag piece next. Yeah, look, 
The crazy thing is for me is all of this stuff, all the potential outcomes in a race are discussed before the race with the engineering team, right? So that, that, that they knew what strategy they were going to be on or likely to be on. It, it went to plan. Yuki would have been acutely aware at that point that if Daniel was coming through on a softer tyre, that he would be forced to move out of the way. So it wasn't news to, to Yuki, in my opinion. He would have absolutely known about that. So I think his behaviour is, uh, I don't know, maybe he feels a bit threatened at the moment, which, I mean, he doesn't have a contract uh, for next year. So I think he wants to maybe hold his ground, put his elbows out at the start of the season. But, but doing that from a team perspective, you're not helping, you're not actually helping yourself. And that's just the first part of it. Now let's talk about what happened after the chequered flag when Yuki dive-bombed Daniel and then nearly made contact with him after the chequered flag. I think uh, Daniel's terminology will be, um, will be uh, read in different ways around the world, but us in Australia know very much when we know he called him a beeping helmet, <laughs> which was quite interesting. But then immediately, did you notice Daniel played the team game and said, I'll save it for the debrief? which was quite interesting and showed a different level of maturity between both drivers when Yuki Tsunoda's radio message was extremely sarcastic to the team. Yeah, 100%. You've got Daniel, who's the, you know, the mature driver of the two and uh, sensible in, in his you know, choices. He knows that all the radio communication is telecast around the world. So he's not going to say anything silly over there. He might have dropped an F-bomb, but outside of that, he took a breath and thought, you know what? This is this is a discussion internally to have with the engineering team, but but Yuki has not done himself any favours whatsoever by behaving like that. And the, the lunge at the end, I mean, that's something you'd expect from uh, you know from someone in you know some junior category in, in Formula Four, you know, sixteen-year-old kid that's had no experience and you know can't regulate their own emotions out there on track. And uh, so, so does that that read tell you that that pressure? that we've been talking about, the pressure of the RB slash Red Bull um, family, almost that Helmet Marco breeds and wants to have in that structure, in that team, that it's about to break Yuki. Is that is that your read? Yeah, but it's counterproductive, mate. It's uh, It just doesn't work. I, I don't think putting that... So, I mean, some people thrive when they're put, you know, when put under pressure. But but as we've seen with that, that whole Red Bull program, there's so many people that have fallen by the wayside and just been broken as a result of it. So Yuki, whether it's because of the pressure that he's he's under at the moment to, to maintain his seat, yeah, you've got the likes of Liam Lawson who performed so well last year that's hanging out in the background. But he's, geez, he's got to be very careful with the decisions he makes moving forward. It wouldn't be looked kindly upon in that RB slash Red Bull structure. And we talked a fair bit about that junior team relationship in my track limits last week. But uh, it's very um, clear to me that Yuki is not handling that pressure, that Liam Lawson is the threat in the background. Um, Sergio Perez, let's talk about him because he was under massive pressure last year. And, and why I bring him up now is that Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricciardo want that seat. And if Perez trips up, they want to be the one that gets that seat and then opens a door for a Liam Lawson to move into the RB squad. So the pressure is not only watching your back, it's also the opportunity of the carrot in front of you, which could be uh, the second Red Bull seat. But to that point, Perez, I know he finished 20-odd seconds back off Max Verstappen, but all they ask of him is to finish alongside his teammate. And he's done it. It was his best finish since the Italian Grand Prix, which was over nine, well, it was nine races ago, Carl. Yeah, but can, can you honestly say that he, he performed? Like, he's in like-for-like like gear with his teammate. He's done the... Yeah, okay, he's done what the team asked him. He's finished second to his uh, teammate. But the car is so good, 
to finish 20 seconds, but over 20 seconds behind, 22.4 seconds behind your teammate. He's, I begs a question. You, you put someone fast, you put a Daniel in the car. Oh, look at this. Carlos goes out one night and all of a sudden we're starting to get him uh, giving us the uh, the flame here, putting the flame to Checo. Uh, mate, I, don't, I just don't think he's, he's performing. I, I think he's done the absolute bare minimum requirement. If, if he keeps doing what he's doing, is that good enough? Is probably the question we need to ask. And, and is he deserving of that seat in the, what is the fastest car on the grid at the moment? I mean, I'd, I mean could you imagine Max under a bit of pressure? I, I'd love to see that. From a, from a so, teammate. So you're saying almost like the Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton pressure level, someone trying to get inside the head of a, of a Max Verstappen. Is that is that essentially what you'd like to see? I think it's just going to drive that team even further to have someone competitive in that second seat. Yeah, Max is going to go off and do his thing. But if Max is under a bit of pressure from a teammate that's performing and sometimes stealing a good result from him, imagine him rising, you know, taking... He's, he's bored, I think, at the moment in Formula One. And oh, that's a big call. <laughs> I, I'm concerned. I'd love to see him go out and you know take all of the uh, all the accolades and the, the records from from Lewis Hamilton. We've spoken about this before. He has the potential to do that. He's he's on track this year for a third 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 straight world championship. Fourth. 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 Sorry, he's had fourth. three. He's yeah. he's on on for his fourth. He could he could clean up the record books, but I reckon at the moment. He's every chance of leaving the sport to do something that, that interests him more. I, I, he's spoken publicly about how how disinterested he is with, with the politics and things like that in Formula One. He enjoys the cars. The cars are great to drive. But if he's not engaged in it, if he's not feeling challenged, then he might just get up and leave. Well, let's look at some of the other challenges because Ferrari, Carl, and this is our wrap of the race that was this morning, depending on where you were or last night, if you actually were in uh, Bahrain. Um Ferrari, really quick in qualifying trim. They're there again. They're there again over that one-lap pace, and I think we can read signs that the car is better in race trim. So there's positives there. Carlos Sainz, P3. Um, it's his fourth podium um, finish since the start of 2023, so he's starting to get a few more of those podiums. Charles Leclerc finished P4. So that's Ferrari in that the next best team. Um, and remember that Leclerc yep. only scored six points in the opening three races of last year. So it's been a good start from Ferrari. It's been a great start for Ferrari. You're right. They've, they've hit the nail on the head with their qualifying trim, but the car's a lot racier this year as well. What I find interesting, you're comparing teammates before between Max, obviously, and Sergio or Checo. Um, between Carlos and Charles, there was over 14 seconds between them at the end of the race. Like, Carlos has yeah. just risen to the occasion. He is loving being the uh, the sort of, I guess, the underdog in a way. Like, he's he's leaving the team. It's like, you know what? I'm going to show everyone that uh, that they made the wrong decision. Hey. He is going to be the hottest driver on the market for next With, year. I know there's a chat about the Audi link, yeah. but I think Red Bull, and I, I think I'd love to see Sainz and Verstappen in the same team again. I'd love to How see that, that battle be? because it would be yeah. fantastic. Now, Carl, we've got a big show coming up. We are going to cover the Christian Horner story, which I'm sure everybody will be wondering about. We've got track limits coming up on the other side of this break. We will do DRS, and that's where Christian Horner will pop up, plus some other massive news. And then we are going to look at ahead to the weekend upcoming because the next time we're on air Carl will be a recap of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix but in the meantime stick around because we're taking a quick break on Gridwalk Join the conversation text us on 0433 98 1116 
You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reindler. Track limits for temper. A mattress like no other. Proud sponsors of the Formula One on SEN. Okay, that was a third stroke on track limits. You've now been given the black and white flag. Is Cam inside or outside the track? Here we go again. I have copped so much backlash from our fans on Facebook at various times. And I've and, been right, Carl. I've been right both times, I feel. You feel? I mean, I think you deserve all the uh, the criticism that you, <laughs> that you copped. So what no, have you got so for track... me this week? I'm, I'm, I'm really nervous, mate. I, um, yeah. you've, been, you've been pumping this one up and no, I've got no, no idea. Up. There's no pumping up. I've been sitting here and I, every week I think about something to cover off in track limits. So just a reminder to everybody joining in on SEN's Gridwalk, if you'd like to join in our conversation tonight, one 736 736 is our uh, phone in line or you can text us on the temper text line 0433 So I'm at inside or outside track limits, Carl. And this is maybe a slight follow-on from last week's track limits with the Red Bull and RB's junior team relationship, as well as a bit of a mix of previous discussions about the plight of Cadillac Andretti and their entry being knocked back. But the time is right to bring in promotion slash relegation as a system within Formula One. So before you say systems don't allow it, we are currently negotiating a new Concord Agreement. So it can be done. The rules can be changed to allow this. And the reason I have come back to this promotion v relegation system where Formula 2 teams can potentially be promoted into Formula 1 and vice versa, Formula 1 teams can drop back into Formula 2 as a potential is that this was uh, a first round of the championship that was a very clear tale of two halves. The top five teams in Formula 1 filled the top 10 spots on the grid at the end of the race. And conversely, the bottom five teams filled the bottom 10 spots on the grid. And it gets worse, Carl. It gets worse because every driver in the bottom 10 was lapped by Max Verstappen. No drivers in the top 10 were lapped. Now, I want you to think about the benefits of a relegation slash promotion system. Imagine the knock-on effect of a dud F1 season at the pointy end when all of a sudden... Whilst Max Verstappen might have won six races to go, it becomes very interesting for those teams at the bottom in the relegation zone. F2 then all of a sudden becomes not only about drivers aiming to make it into F1, but there is literally tens of millions of dollars on the line for winning in F2 and jumping up into F1. And it actually provides a brand new pathway for teams that want a slot in F1 and they have to prove themselves on the way up to F1, not just given all the money in the world and a chance to have a go at it. And Carl, lastly, imagine the David versus Goliath battles we could see with an F2 team that might have an annual budget of, say, 15 million pounds or 15 million euro, and then all of a sudden getting this massive injection of funds and being able to go toe-to-toe with a Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull. EPL fans will know all about promotion and relegation and they know about years when Leicester City, for example, won the whole thing against Man City or Liverpool or Man United. Why can't we see it in Formula One? I say bring in promotion and relegation and make F2 mean something a little bit more. Mate, I like this. This is uh, this is juicy, but I reckon it's got some legs. It's got some merit. Um, geez, I'm, being, I'm being very agreeable with you um, to start this year. In fact, I think I've agreed with you on every track limits so far. I, I'm just looking at it from a perspective of 
well, I mean, firstly, like pros and cons. Firstly, can it be done? And you're right with with negotiations for this new Concord agreement. Agreement. There's no reason why they couldn't implement something like this, right? So, firstly, yes, can it be done? Um, I think it's a good thing for the sport. It puts pressure on those teams that are not performing at the back. Where it gets challenging, though, is teams that are so heavily invested with infrastructure and, and sponsors and driver agreements. Where does it leave them if they, at the end of a season they've got a you know three hundred million dollar Formula One operation and they can only go F two racing for the following season? That's that's the question you need to answer. How is that any different to a football team that's gone and spent all that money on these incredible stars to play in the EPL and they all just disappear at the end of the year to go to play La Liga or Syria A or something else? I mean, uh, it just becomes part of the new game. I, I can see the comparison, mate. Like between, yes, I think yeah, it's a great, great comparison to is it the English Premier League? I'm not much of a soccer soccer buff, but um, yeah, mate. Yeah, you can be relegated back to a second tier championship per se. So I, the difference. Oh, what I was getting to. Sorry, the, I lost my train of thought. The difference is the infrastructure. There is such huge amount of infrastructure required to run a Formula One team versus an F2 team that can be done. In, in any sort of ordinary, you know, there's, there's requirement for wind tunnels and things like that. I mean, it would have to go hand in hand with further cost-cutting um, initiatives. Which is not a bad thing, Carl, when you think about it. I know they've yeah. got their uh, massive co- cost caps. And let's say it's actually starting to work. Let's be honest. The, the cost caps are starting to work. Red Bull's just working a bit better than anyone else right now. But you can put that down to Max Verstappen, Adrian Newey, and we'll, we'll talk about the internal dramas a little later on. But there's a lot, yeah, that has to be changed. You'd have to allow customer cars a little bit more um, being able to purchase some equipment or even do deals with junior teams that might be able to come through. But it starts to become interesting when you might have a junior team come through in F2 that would allow Red Bull and RB to potentially stay together and have two teams in the top championship, potentially, Carl. I, I like your initial, um, what did you say before about... Um Oh, yeah, it gives you a really interesting discussion point at the tail end of the season. Let's say it's a domination like we had last year. It's wrapped up with however many rounds to go. It, it gives you a really fascinating topic to talk about at the tail end of the season. You know that the, it, it's effectively the constructors' title, but if the last team or the last two teams get relegated to F two, that's uh, yeah, everything's yeah. on the line. So, we've got, well, speaking of on the line, we've actually got Shane from Mount Waverley on the line. I wonder, is he going to take my side and believe relegation and promotion should come in or Carl's side and say, uh, no, nah, it's too hard, too much infrastructure. Shane. Hi, guys. Yeah, look, uh, love your show. Um, I'm sort of disagreeing with both of you. I don't think F1 really has had any um, real... Uh, benefit to it since late 80s, early 90s, when you had characters like Nigel Mansell, Prost, Senna, those guys, it's just been, you know, you, you had Schumacher smashing it every week. It's just boring now. Why, why would one, someone want to watch it anymore? You know, everyone, you know, the, the, the results are predetermined now. You have to pay to watch it. You used to be able to watch it free on Channel 10 at night. You know, it's just, it's just a nothing sport. Every, you know, every match, every game race is the same, you know. I just don't see that. I just don't see it. What do you guys see? Well, no, Shane, I take your point, right? So we're not going to shy away from the fact that domination is actually very bad for any sport, right? There was all sorts of research that came out last year and said it doesn't matter what sport it is. When there's domination, 
it uh, it detracts from the actual showcase, the entertainment and everything else as well. So we can't shy away from the fact that Max Verstappen dominating is probably not... Well, it's definitely not great for the sport from numbers perspective. But I'd love to dig into what it was about the 80s that you think. And, and remember, I grew up in this sport as well. You know, I used to go to racetracks with my old man that used to run the Grand Prix back at Calder in 1980 and still in race control to this day since 1985 when it first came to Australia. So I know what you mean in terms of the characters and everything else. But there was domination back even in those eras as well. And there was even a lot more mechanical failure. There was all sorts of dramas that happened back in the 80s. But what was it? What do you think we're missing now that the sport had in the I 80s? I think it's the actual... It's, it's the lack of... All the cars seem the same now. Like back then, the cars were different. The technology wasn't the same. So you had a bit more unpredictability about it, you know? So, and so I think that unpredictability gave interest to the sport. And it was more on the driver than the technology back then, probably, in a sense. Yeah, Shane. Look, it, it, yeah, go, Carl. I was just going to say, look, I, I agree. It's that it's the unpre- the best race when you reflect on a, a given season of of F one. The best races are the ones where there are variables thrown at them that are out of their control. Like when it when it buckets with rain at Spa, you, you're all but guaranteed a great race. Monaco last year bucketed with rain. It was people going off, people making mistakes. You want to see. You want to see unforced errors. You want to see the engineers being challenged. I agree. Like, there's so much data in the sport now. They know exactly what strategy is going to get them from the start of the race to the end of the race as quickly as possible. Um, they are challenging it. But I, I think what we're talking about, having a more competitive grid of cars, is, is, has the potential to, to influence That's that in a, in a good exactly- way. Exactly exactly where I'm going. So, Shane, if there was promotion relegation, do you think where a, a minnow team out of F2 could come up into F1? And we, we you know, we, we put some cost caps around it. Do you reckon that's going to add something to the sport at all? Yeah, I think it will. I think you're right. I think that, you know, having that bit of variability there and, and you're right, some sort of a, a um, you know, dream season for an F2 team to, to make it to the top there, you know, out of a chance, I think that's a good for the sport, some sort of changes there i think i think i agree i think it'd add some interest ah thank you very much for the call in that's shane from mount waverley really appreciate you joining us on the show mate we've got another sms carl that's just come in as well f1 is about pushing the limits i'm not sure making cars all the same and accessible by f2 teams coming up promotes this we want drivers to push each other so we also want teams to push each other using their own individual ideas promotion may take this away so I think that's actually a really good point. They didn't leave a name with there. That is a, a challenge to my uh, my argument, Carl. I'm not I've, stepping away from my position because I've, I actually believe the opportunity for an F2 team to come into F1 would be something that they would relish. So, look, I've, I've got a slight counter-argument for you, firstly. I, I've just looked up qualifying results from the weekend um, compared to last year. That first qualifying session where all 20 cars are, are competing for uh, for the best place on the grid there was less than a second from first to last. In fact, it was, yeah, it was nine-tenths of a second from first to last. Nine-tenths of a second. Compare that to last year, it was about two and a half seconds. So the back markers, well, they're not competitive. Yes, you could argue. They're, They're closer than they've ever been. When was the last F1 season you can remember where all 20 cars qualified within a second of each other? Ten cars were lapped. The five bottom teams had the ten bottom cars. They were lapped in this race by Max Verstappen. Five teams were lapped in a Grand Prix. Ten drivers. 
They're in the bottom half, mate. You look at Alpine, where are they going? We'll talk about them a little later on as well. They're, they're a basket case right now. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess over there, isn't it? So I think the challenge is we're all looking for ways to make this sport as close and competitive as possible. I think they've got it right in qualifying trim, although Max Verstappen's still getting pole, but the gap is tiny at the moment. What I am trying to propose is an opportunity to allow teams to come in because right now they're blocking teams coming in. Cadillac Andretti was a good bid. The Roden cars, so, you know, um, the guys out of New Zealand had a great bid. There are teams that are not able to get in. If they can get in through an F2 link-up, imagine Carlin getting some Cadillac support or ART or Campos with a, with a crack at, at Formula One. It's, there's, there's a lot of different facets to this. I think something like this, I think it's, it's got some merit. Um, I, I think just letting more teams onto the grid, for starters, I think would help. Imagine if there were 24 cars out there. It puts pressure hey. on the other teams to perform. Go on. Hey, it does. It does indeed. We've actually got Tim from Nana Goon. Tim, if you stick on the line, mate, we are just going to take a quick ad break and we'll grab your call on the other side of this with Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. Welcome back to Gridwalk. And, geez, hasn't that lit up the uh, not only the talkback line, the text line. There's also a Twitter account. And, Carl, I can tell you at the moment, the last count, I was up 52% to your 48 that we should bring relegation promotion into Formula One. Uh, now, in the meantime, I believe we've got a caller, Tim from Nana Goon. Tim, have you got a stance? Am I inside or outside track limits? Love the show, boys. Um just quickly, I reckon you're definitely inside track limits. It's, it's something I love in all sports. You know, you look at the Premier League uh, a few seasons ago with Luton Town getting promoted. You know, this is a club that's never been in there, a local club. They receive funds. They did a 10 million euro uh, funded to upgrade their stadium. There's plenty of money in F1. I reckon it would change the game. And all these competitive F2 teams, it'll make everything stronger and I reckon it would then sort of bring back a bit of interest at the last fall of Senate loss. So I reckon you are definitely within track limits. There you go, Carl. We've got one my way at the moment, mate. Anything you want to say to Tim? Mate, I, um, I've had an ad break to think about it. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the, uh, the counter argument now because I, I, what is the intent? Like, what, what is it you're actually trying to achieve by, by having this relegation? It's, it's to make it more competitive, right? But, but More competitive with, and exciting, yeah. Ex- yes, but for the purpose of entertainment, I, I feel like you're looking for a silver bullet in a lot of ways. Um, the entertainment that we were talking about before comes through variability and lots of other things. Like I, I was just thinking about like that race. It was it wasn't the most interesting race last night, was it? Like it was it was pretty processional. Max dominated by 22 seconds from his teammate. Um, but you look at the qualifying trim. And they're all within a second of each other. That's about as competitive motorsport as you're going to find anywhere in the world. So by having an F2 team that's, you know, able to get maybe maybe the whole grid's separated by seven tenths of a second in qualifying, there's other factors that are going to improve the entertainment. Like some teams are obviously able to make the tyres last better. The, the those Red Bulls are just they don't even wear the tyres out compared to some of the teams at the back. It's the variability. It's, you know, uh, the, when, when it starts to rain, maybe it's going to locations that are more vulnerable to or pr- prone to wet weather at different times of year. Like Suzuka has always been a cracking race because the likelihood of rain in September there is, is huge. It's, uh, it's, you're almost guaranteed a good race. So 
if you're looking for that silver bullet to ultimately make it more entertaining, I like the idea, oh. the concept, but I don't, I don't think it's a silver bullet that you, you think it's going to be, mate. There's so many more layers to it. So, Tim, are you still there, mate? If you are, have you got a take on that? Are you, are you happy with Carl or are you sticking, sticking fat? I just like to argue with Cam, that's all. <laughs> nah, look, no, nah, I'm, I'm still sticking fat, but it, it is, it's not something that's easy done. Like, they're, they're, it's something that would take several years, I would think, um, but it's something that, that, I, that I always love in, in all sports. I think what the Premier League has where it can be a local team that has worked its way up through the championship where they've got a 2,000 capacity stadium and then all of a sudden they somehow make it to the Premier League. There's funding available for them. I think it would be it would be awesome, but it, it, it's, it's easy to sit here and say that, that there would be a lot of logistics involved and a lot of processing to get it to that point. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Oh, come on, Carl. We've got, we've got other say, callers on the line coming through. He's, he's got a very good point. To implement it's difficult, but if they really wanted to do it, they absolutely could. Ah, love it. Tim from Nunnagoon, thank you very much, mate. Now we've actually got... Well, I'll give you an SMS as well. We've just had come through on the line. Now, Carl, and then we've got Ben from the Gold Coast. So stick around, Ben. We're coming to you next. Hi there, guys. This is one of our SMSs. Hi there, guys. I think the pro-reg system, so the promotion relegation system, would be great. I'd definitely watch it just for that. Maybe if the first year two teams go up and we're paying a concession on some costs to make it equalise. Then following year one, up and down as per normal. Thanks, Grego. So it's Grego from... Uh, Aberfeldy, thank you, mate. That was great to hear from him. I really appreciate that, Carl. Now that they're getting behind me here, Carlos, trackside, I tell you what, if you're a horse racing fan, we're getting to that final furlong and we're racing for our home here. Let's have a look at my Twitter account just quickly, Carl. I'm going to have a look at that right now, which will be running for the next 24 hours on the SEN app. And I think I am up 53 to 47, and we've just passed, what that looks like, 80-odd votes, 80 votes. So I am leading on track limits at the moment. Let's check in now that I believe we've got Ben from the Gold Coast on the line as well. Ben. Yeah, g'day, guys. Uh, love the race. Uh, love that I can listen to guys on SEN talk about Formula One and maybe some MotoGP as well, because we're getting that kicking off pretty soon. But so how to make it more exciting? Um I saw your post come through on X earlier mentioning that this program was going to happen. And what I did is I responded to that. I, I had some footage. Red Bull, actually, they were testing one of their cars at Silverstone. And they had a drone follow the F1 car around the track, basically racing with the F1 How car. unreal was that? So my idea is, like, that's the best race viewing experience for F1 fans around the world. If the Formula One, Team Formula One, can organise with their broadcasters to bring that type of coverage to the races, mate, it will be more enthralling oh. than anything we've ever dealt with. Right? Imagine so drones we, we going nuts on different angles. That would be that would be it would be um, very dangerous. So Carl can't make a comment on that because he's all Mr. Safety with the FIA. Huh. But I'm right there with you. That would be insane. That that footage was was unbelievable. Did if it, it what what uh, what Ben's referring to? They the world's fastest drone could actually keep up with a Formula One car around a lap of Silverstone. Like Max Verstappen, three-time world champion, you know, driving this Red Bull RB was it RB twenty they're up to now, um, as fast as he can around Silverstone. And this drone's just it's the most incredible footage. I I agree. Stuff like that 
bringing new technology to the sport. I think uh, we've seen it in other sports as well. You've got all the, the Hawkeye stuff in tennis and all the statistics and, and things like that. I, I think that helps with with all the entertainment. But for me, maybe I'm a traditionalist in this regard. I think the racing on track still needs to improve. Like that, you need the, the core ingredients there. And then if you tack those things on top, it's just, you know, it magnifies everything. Well... Hey, uh, just quickly, Ben, before you go, inside or outside track limits, can I add you to my side of the ledger or to Carl's uh, purist and uh, got to keep it all the same way side of the ledger? It's got to be outside because they can go faster around the corners. So the the faster the motorsport is, the more exciting it is. And if they really want to fix Formula 1, all they've got to do, we've got 20 drivers, we've got 10 teams, we've got 20 races. Each team has test drivers. So let the test drivers develop the cars in the off-season and give every driver two races in each car on the grid. And then at the end of the year, we'll know which was certainly the best car and which was the best driver. And you'll see different guys win races depending on where it is. And they could do a lottery at the start of the year to determine the allocation for which driver is going to be allocated to which team for which rounds. It needs to be something like that because, we, you know, nothing against Max, nothing against Lewis, nothing against the great Michael Schumacher. But, you know, guys like Mike Webber never won a championship because at Red Bull, uh, Vettel always had a little bit better package and Vettel, Bottas, never beat Lewis as much because the car was more tailored to him. And we said the exact same thing at Red Bull with Perez and Max. Now, I don't begrudge the teams for making the car the best for their better driver. Yeah. No, Ben, appreciate it, mate. We're going to talk about that on another uh, show about uh, our lead drivers, second drivers, and other bits and pieces. Thank you very much for calling in. We've had a couple of SMSs come in as well, Carl, just to give you a couple of updates. Mark from Adelaide wrote, previous person had very rose-coloured glasses about the 80s Formula 1. Small teams used to get lapped multiple times by bigger teams. Less than half the field would actually finish the race, and there was really only two or three drivers that ever had a chance to win. The teams gave actually never been closer. The teams have actually never been closer together. Verstappen is just a freak. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate that SMS, mate. And hence why I was digging in what what it was about the '80s that he loved. Because I, I, I'm I'm a little bit more like you, Mark. I must admit that uh, I, I was there. I watched it. I was only a little kid, but um, I, I do think Formula One's in a great spot from a competitive standpoint. We also had another message come in which says it would make F2 more relevant and would create more interest to watch. That's Fog from Coffs. So great to hear from Fog as well. Another one in my camp, Carl. We're going to have to take our uh, final break uh, this, in this just is a another, second. There's actually another text that's come through. Which, oh, jeez. Uh, I love it. Oh, I don't gosh, know who it's from. They haven't, uh, yeah, haven't mentioned their name. Uh, all it says is, what a ridiculous idea. <laughs> There wasn't there I, another one in there, Carl, that you wanted to read out. You told there, me there was actually. Um, Come on, Carl. In, in Come reference on. You've been to, wanting you, to Cam, say this. again, yep. uh, no, no name uh, associated with this text, but he is talking out of his bum. Oh, actually, so, I can uh, see who wrote that. It was Carl Reindler. That's the mobile no, uh, associated no, with that stop one. Stop it! Stop it! No, no I, that, look, I, yeah, it's an interesting concept. The implementation of it, that's going to be hard. But, but as the purist, I, I don't think the sport's got any issues with, with being competitive. The only advantage I could see is making F2 more relevant and maybe giving some junior drivers uh, a, a greater opportunity as they 
you know, they, they might win with an F2 team and that's their, that's their opportunity. There's so many junior drivers that miss out on the opportunity of Formula One because you've got the, the likes of Alonso and Hamilton, these guys that have been there for, you know, Hamilton, uh, multiple, you know, 10, 15, 20 seasons worth of Formula One. So there's, yeah, I don't know, mate. Well, mate, we're going to have to take a quick break right now. It looks like uh, Track Limits has dominated tonight's show. We haven't even got to Christian Horner yet. We might do that on the other side of this break, though. So stick around on Gridwalk. Join the conversation. Text us on 0433-98-1116. You're listening to Gridwalk with Cam Van Den Dungan and Carl Reidler. DRS is open. Now it's time for DRS. Drama, rumours, socials. We are, like, into the last four minutes, Carl, of this show. Track Limits just took up all our segments, and we've got a massive drama in the sport right now, and there is no bigger drama than what is going on with Christian Horner and the workplace investigation. Carl, since our last show, it has blown up. When we talked about it last, they were still in the investigation. And I said, we will find out this week. We will find out before the Grand Prix. And as suggested, the internal investigation into inappropriate behaviour cleared Christian Horner. Within 24 hours of clearing him, a Google Drive turned up with all the teams, the FIA, Liberty Media, F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali, and about 100 different media outlets. This is one serious takedown, Carl Reinler. I know we're not going to talk about the actual allegation because there are people involved, there are families involved in it, but one way or another, mate, this is massively destabilising for Red Bull. Yeah, it's, it's a big problem for them. Um, obviously, they've done their internal investigation. Um, I think there's a, probably a duty of care with, with other stakeholders involved now, uh, with F1, with the FIA, it's it's a really tricky situation. I found it interesting that uh, Christian Horner's wife, Jerry Halliwell, former Spice Girl, came out to Bahrain. I think there was a show of uh, support for him under under the circumstances. But I think the fact that this 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 Google you know document this file has been leaked to all these different outlets. It's it's someone that's just seen the low hanging fruit and just trying their utmost to uh, to take the man down. Yeah, so we will keep following this drama week in, week out until we see um, something come of it one way or another. But what we can report on our show is that an internal, independent investigation, but it was internal by Red Bull, by the parent company, has cleared Christian Horner. And now this Google Drive has turned up. So there'll be lots of speculation being played out in the media. We wanted to cover it off on this show because we dealt with it last week as well. When actual news comes to hand, we will bring it to all of our listeners on Gridwalk. But that was just an update there. Hey, Carl, I mentioned before Alpine. Well, they've been rocked with resignations of both the technical director, Matt Harmon, and the head of aerodynamics, Dirk De Beer, I would say this team could now be considered in crisis. It is not the ideal situation to have with drivers out of contract and if they're looking to retain or even attract top-tier talent. What does Alpine do? They are stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, they've started off the season calling a spade a spade, like, poorly. They are the slowest team on the grid at the moment. They're struggling out there. They've lost a couple of their key members. Uh, it's I can't imagine what the uh, you know the, the, I guess the culture within that workplace is like at the moment to start the season off. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know where they go from here. But I tell you what, it makes uh, it makes Oscar's move to McLaren look like uh, like it was Very absolutely smart. the right decision. Alonso as well, for that matter. We're starting to wrap up our show, Carl. Another one to make mention of Aussies. We normally would do track sweepers with the young drivers coming through. Christian Mansell, second in the feature race for F3 over the weekend after he switched from Campos to ART in the off-season. He's third in the FIA Formula 3 Championship. That's huge for the Aussie. Yep, bloody fantastic. Love it when the Aussies and the Kiwis do well uh, internationally. So need more of it. Next week, we've got the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Remember to tune in 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or any other time that equates to that in your sphere, whether you're in Queensland, New Zealand, South Australia, West Aussie, New South Wales or Victoria. We'll see you next week. Carl Reinlach, Cam Van and Duncan. This has been Gridwalk. Gridwalk.